From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. And today we are talking about the recent U.S.-China trade deal and what it might mean for the 2020 election. And Rick, we know that trade was um, one of the focal points of the president's candidacy. Uh, The fact that he now seems to have a deal in principle with China and even a deal in principle with Mexico and Canada to replace NAFTA Could Trump at least check those boxes and say, look, success come voting time? I think he could. But before we get to the details, we have a special guest today, Alex. You're not going to believe it. To discuss all of this with us is President Trump himself. What? And he has a button. Can I press it? Go for it. Basically, all I've done is keep my promise. Oh, how apropos for our conversation so, today. Uh, I actually so will know, he be able to press the I button? I actually didn't know that, that when you push that button, <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have guessed it either. With the many, many other things he says that are very uh, memorable, that, I didn't that think that would be it. That was completely fitting, what the, what the doll just said. Yes, uh, so, what the Trump doll just yeah, said. Yeah, so, so will uh, he, and I'm sure, well, he's already claiming victory, but, but I guess should he be claiming victory? I think he's going to claim victory. I told you I was I told you I was going to get a great deal with China and it's even better than I thought it was going to be. It's the best trade deal we've ever had. I'm sure that's what he's going to say. Uh, I think what we need what we'll be talking about is is it any kind of deal really at all? Um, and I think there are a lot of similarities to other things we talk about a lot with Trump. Um, so the biggest part of this deal for markets is that it prevents something bad from happening. So uh, this prevents a big set of new tariffs going into effect that was going to hit in December of this year, and that would have hit a lot of uh, electronics that come from China, smartphones, laptops, things like that. And that would have been visible to American consumers. And I mean, a lot of us thought there's no way Trump would ever do that, put, you know, basically raise the cost of an iPhone by 10 percent or 15 percent. And a lot of other products that are kind of high visibility like that. So because of the deal, the phase one deal, at least something bad is not going to happen. So that's not Trump will not be shooting himself in the foot uh, during the campaign by having to explain higher taxes and higher prices on consumers. Uh, but is anything actually going to happen that's good from this deal that he'll be able, that you know voters will actually be able to see in 2020? I don't think so, but I think we're pretty sure that Trump is going to be telling voters that uh, whatever they see around happening around them that's good. It's all because of this trade deal he made with China. So uh, to that extent, um, I mean, I think Trump, it's better than nothing from his perspective. Now, Trump has delayed or canceled tariffs four times this year, just in 2019 alone. And you have to wonder here who really is winning because you've got China hanging tough, leaving the Trump administration to basically negotiate with itself in many ways. So is China the one really getting the better deal here? You know, let's go back and just um, summarize everything that has happened in this trade war so far. So uh, because anybody, any normal American can be excused for having lost track of all of this a long time ago. (laughs) Right. Uh, So where we stand, uh, and this could be the way it it is for a while. This could could just sort of be the end state for a while. Mm -hmm. So Trump, uh, last year, Trump imposed new tariffs on about $250 billion worth of Chinese imports. That's about half of everything China imports to the United States. Those were mostly um, uh, components uh, and what what are known as intermediate goods uh, that go into other things built here in the United States. So not end state consumer products, not finished clothing or uh, laptops or toys or sporting goods, but components that uh, manufacturers here use to put into stuff. Those tariffs remain in effect. 
Um, and from what we can tell, those are going to stay there probably through at least most of 2020, unless Trump kind of changes his mind on that. And then this year, Trump imposed tariffs on uh, about $110 billion worth of what are consumer products that come from China. So that was a lot of clothing, some toys, a lot of things that actually show up in stores. And as part of this so-called phase one trade deal, uh, that tariff gets reduced from 15%, which is what Trump set it out on September 1st, and it's now going to be just 7.5%. So all, to, all told, we, there are still considerably higher tariffs on most of the stuff that comes here from China. And those are going to those are going to stay in effect. So what do we gain from those higher tariffs? I mean, nothing. We gain nothing. And somebody here in the, in the United States has to pay those higher tariffs. So Trump keeps saying the Chinese pay those tariffs. Th that is not true at all. Americans pay those tariffs. So this phase and, you know, one Chinese export trade prices deal, didn't even fall. So you do have to wonder right. who really is paying for the for these things. And is it not the American taxpayer? Well, uh I mean, there's no single answer. Um, so when somebody raised their prices, what happens? Uh, I mean, just think if somebody raises their price by 10% at a store, what do you do? Well, you might buy it anyway. Um, you might go looking around to see if you can get it someplace else for cheaper. You might buy something else that's a little cheaper but not exactly the same. You might just skip it all together. And I think that's what companies here in the United States are doing. They're doing all of those things, the, the importers who are paying these tariffs. So in some cases, they're probably going back to the Chinese suppliers and saying, I'm taking a 10% or a 15%. In some cases, 25. the tariff is 25%. Yep. I'm taking a 25% cost hit here, you have to share this with me. And so maybe they lower the price. We um, we also know that some uh, companies are trying to find stuff outside of China in places like uh, India or Vietnam or Mexico, where there are no tariffs. Um, but that tariff, those tariffs that are still there are just not doing anything at all for the United and isn't States. isn't China and, in and of itself reducing its reliance on America? Yes. They're forging partnerships with other countries. Yep. And, and so you have to wonder. And, just to, and developing more of their own technology. And also what I want to know, which we're not knowing as at the time of this podcast, is what are the concessions the Chinese are making for the U.S. as part of this phase one trade deal? I mean, what in that trade deal will secure the intellectual property of U.S. companies doing business in China? So uh, Trump says, uh, and, and his trade guy, Robert Lighthizer, who's the U.S. trade representative, uh, they have a long list of these general things that China is going to do. And if you could create a wish list of how you want China to fix its economy, this is what you would put on it. So they're going to change the way they deal with intellectual property. That means uh, stealing uh, Western technology. They're going to reform, uh, have all these internal reforms, better rule of law. They're going to stop subsidizing the big companies that go out and take market share by underpricing everybody, that kind of stuff. But there's no one has seen an actual draft of this deal yet. And I mean, there's uh, vast skepticism that China's actually going to do all these things. So uh, we know that China had said that as part of any changes it was willing to make, it wanted all the tariffs rolled back. And, mm -hmm. and, and Trump bar it barely rolled back the tariffs. So I just I did the numbers. And in terms of the total ta new, uh, new tariff burden on all these Chinese imports, uh, that one tariff rollback adds up to about 11 percent of the total new tariff that is rolling back. So almost all the tariffs Trump has put on stay there. So I just don't think China is going to change much in exchange for uh, Trump rolling back the tariff burden 11 percent. 
But also, we all know that what's probably going to happen here is China's going to say it's going to do these things and then it's going to do the bare minimum and wait and see, does Trump get elected again? Do they have to deal with him for another four years? Or are they maybe going to get somebody else to come in who's not necessarily going to support these uh, Trump terms? What we do know from this trade deal is it seems awfully agriculture focused. And it's still yet to be seen whether or not farmers will like this deal and whether or not they're going to get any relief. I know Trump tweeted out, farmers are going to have to go out and buy much larger tractors because it means a lot of business. Um, No farmers are rushing out and buying bigger tractors. I am sure of that. Yeah. So they they don't seem very pleased with this. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just just, you know, the Chinese at buying what they were buying even before the trade war had started. Right. That, that's why the trade experts following all this are so skeptical because we have a long way to go just to get back to the point where farmers recoup lost sales because China's basically been boycotting a lot of their products and no longer buying much in the way of soybeans or pork or other things they uh, that they used to um, buy a lot of from the United States. So uh, at, at uh, I think the at the peak in maybe 2017, I, if I recall right, uh, China bought about $25 billion worth of U.S. farm products. And that has fallen to like 10%, 10, $10 billion. So we got a long way to go just to get back to where we were. And now they're saying they're going to um, essentially double the amount of uh, farm products and other types of products um, over some period of time that sounds like it's not one year, but it's not five years, so maybe it's two years. Um, and there are n- tons of questions about this. So number one, do the Chinese mean it? Um, and they, they've been sort of tight-lipped about this. Most of the verbiage on this has come from uh, the United States saying this is what China plans to do, but we, we have not really heard China saying, yes, that's correct, that's what we plan to do. And I think that is probably the way it's going to go. So China is, you know— You don't think we get a big photo op with uh, Xi Jinping no, no. and, and fact, President Trump? In fact, um, uh, what we learned when they announced this deal is there is going to be no— big meeting, no summit meeting, if you will, between the two presidents, Trump and Xi. It's going to be their underlings at the cabinet level who are going to meet and make this deal probably at the beginning of 2020. Uh, and th- that could be because the Chinese don't want don't want their president, president Xi just doesn't want to be seen making this deal with Trump. Um, so, you know, this is the Chinese are spinning this too. And there's reason to think that the Chinese view this as a pretty good deal for themselves because they may be able to say they're going to do one thing to the United States, but play it differently at home and not really ch- not really change that much. In other words, there's not really much of a cost to anybody in China from mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, And if you look at what the pundits are saying, not many of them are backing President Trump's claims that this is a victory. You've got Paul Krugman who is an opinion columnist over at uh, at the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and perhaps this is not a surprise coming from him, but he's tweeting out, Trump tried to bully them, the Chinese. They hung tough and are basically ending up where they started, buying agricultural products while selling us increasingly sophisticated manufactured goods. So what does this mean for economic ties between the U.S. and Beijing going forward, beyond the signing of this deal if it happens? Yeah, I think the days of easy trade between the U.S. and China are over. Um, and I, I think that might be a good thing. It might not be a good thing. And, I, it, you know, we you always have to think what are the unintended consequences of this going to be? Um, one of them probably will be that China will become more independent. It will need the, it will need the United States less. I mean, one of the things we've seen 
uh, with regard to Huawei, the big Chinese telecom firm, is we we saw very clearly this year that Huawei has been. I almost said Yahweh. I probably have a Christmas pageant on my mind or something. Um, is that Huawei is very dependent on American chip suppliers. Um, and there's and you know the Trump administration has been holding that up and saying oh we might not let you buy chips from these U.S. companies which you vitally need. Well, uh, China is going to develop its own chips. I mean almost surely they. I mean they're already going in that direction and it's a matter of sophistication I believe. But um, they're going to you know so this could spur them to develop something that's very important to uh, economic supremacy in the Push future. Push them to innovation. And they develop their own capability on this. So you know what's <clears throat> ironic though, Rick, is that the chip stocks have been on fire throughout this entire U.S.-China trade war? Uh, well, I know, uh, partly partly because markets have thought all along that this is going to get resolved. I've been saying all, for, for a long time that markets have been too optimistic about a, a breakthrough here, but mm -hmm. um, uh, I think that applies to chips as well. You know, about, so I think, I think as we get deep into the... Um, into the 2020 election, by which I mean summer and fall of next year. Mm -hmm. I think this China trade deal is going to be like so many other things in the Trump presidency is people are going to see in it what they want to see in it. Um, the way they do with immigration? The way they do it. Well, with impeachment is the one that's on my mind. But, um, uh, you know, if you're a, a Trump supporter, you think you believe what he said. You believe Trump when he says it's a witch hunt and it's a, it's a hoax. If you're a Trump critic, you can't he, you, you can't wait for him to get impeached and you think it should have happened three years ago. Um, and there are just not that many people in the middle who aren't sure and they're waiting to see what the evidence is that there are some people in the middle on these issues. But it's a it's a small group. And I think that um, Trump, Trump is definitely going to be talking about the trade war when he's campaigning. He's going to be saying uh, he likes to uh, people to think he's tough on China, and he's going to be saying, "I was the first president who ever got tough with China, and look at the great deal I made." And I think people are going to look around and say, "Is the economy good around me, or is it crappy around me?" And if it's good, then I'll credit Trump with a great trade deal. And if the economy's crappy around me, then maybe these other critics are right that this trade deal was really did more harm than good. Um, well, so he's got an unemployment rate at a half century low. Right. So he's got a stock market at a record high. This is this is yet another way in which it really all comes back to the state of the economy in September and October of, of uh, 2020. And certainly a lot of things can change between now and then. I want to talk about the other trade deal here, right? The replacement for NAFTA, the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement, which is still pending. I mean, they say they have a deal in principle, hasn't been signed yet. Now, uh, as of this podcast, there was talk that the U.S. wants to send um, sort of labor Sears, overseers yeah. over to Mexico to say, we want to make sure that the labor reforms you promised are actually happening. And Mexico saying, wait a minute, we are not yeah. going to agree to that. Um, do you think that Trump will be able to at least say, let's see what he says. Friends in the I thought he was going to repeat that he makes promises and keeps them. You never them. know what this Trump is going to say. But, um, <laughs> the real life one too. But like can, can he Trump. at least claim victory with USMCA? Trump can claim victory on anything. Is it a true victory? I mean, he's going to claim victory on impeachment. He's going to claim that uh, somehow this worked out better than if we had Hillary Clinton and, you know, that's why we should give him another four years. Sure, he will um, claim victory and he's al we've already seen the rhetoric, you know, this great trade deal, you know, um, no other president had, had, it, had the courage to blah, blah, blah. The uh, the new let's call it the new NAFTA. Nobody knows what the, right, it's the called the USMCA, but let's call it the new NAFTA. It um, it changes the old NAFTA in some modest ways. Way. Okay. 
Um, and there's kind of a surprising outcome here because it turns out the Democrats were able to get um, more labor protections into the deal than uh, the Trump team negotiated in the first place, which has actually made some Republicans in Congress uncomfortable about Trump's <laughs> trade deal. I mean, it's kind of amazing. But so you mentioned uh, this, the ability of the United States to send inspectors into Mexican companies right. to see, are you really enforcing the labor standards that we, we that the deal says have to be in place? Um, so that's what Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker and her allies, that's what they wanted to get in the deal. And they were doing that because organized labor here in the United States was pushing them to do that. So obviously, long at long time allies, the Democrats and, and organized labor. And this went further than I think a lot of Republicans ever thought was going to happen, which Nancy Pelosi can claim as a victory. Um, and Trump, it's weird because that's fine with Trump, mm -hmm. but it goes against uh, uh, Republican orthodoxy, which is... Uh, you know, the easiest access to labor you can possibly get, the easiest, the, the loosest limits on wages and stuff like that. That's not what this deal does. So one of the most significant changes from the old NAFTA is the way it tightens up uh, labor rules, which mostly applies to Mexico because the U.S. and Canadian economies are very similar. The Mexican economy is different. It's still a developing economy. Wage is much lower. Uh, there are internal protections for uh, workers much less than we have here in the United States. So to prevent um, automakers and other manufacturers from just building everything in Mexico where pay is lower and um, you know work standards are lower – uh, there has to be this minimum – they have to meet this minimum level of work standards and wages and uh, the final deal it sounds like is going to be – there's going to be sort of a third-party arbitration panel that will do inspections so it won't just be Americans popping in unannounced. I mean no, no sovereign country would be happy about that or even allow it. Um, so it's reasonable for Mexico to say, no, we're not doing that. But third party um, so that um, labor groups here in the United States will for sure monitor – uh, who's complying with the law in Mexico and who they think is not complying with it. And when the, you know, those sus suspicious companies, they're going to ask for inspections. And, the, you know, what the organi organized labor here in the United States wants to make sure this happens, that we just don't lose any more jobs to Mexico. So that is part of the deal that is meant to protect um, protect American workers. So Trump did campaign on this. He was not – he did not sound like a traditional Republican even when he was campaigning because this is very – all of this is very protectionist. And um, Republicans, you know, the rest of the Republican establishment just kind of has to go along with Trump at this point. It's so, America first. So that's you, his trade policy. It, it's real policy is Trump first. Um, but um, these uh, these, you know, Rep Republicans just have no choice but to go along with these because they're so tied to Trump at this point. You can't you know, oppose you, Trump. I, I loved one of your recent articles because you pointed out with the help of some other folks here at Yahoo Finance that Trump has exaggerated or fabricated about the trade war dozens of times. You yeah. guys came up with some sort of a number. So, you know, at some point, when is it the boy who cried wolf? Well, Because uh, you know what? The always. markets, can I tell you something? <laughs> the markets did not have the sort of aggressive, positive response you might have thought they would have had when yeah. word finally came down that this phase one trade deal was, quote unquote, done. Right. Because we're wondering now, are investors also saying, you know what? We don't believe it till we see it. Uh, this is work that was done by um, uh, Ben Werschkel of Yahoo Finance and also Sarah Painter. They actually went through uh, several hundred transcripts of Trump interviews and briefings and remarks to the press and his rallies to see what he actually said about trade. And he exaggerates about trade constantly. And the reason we did this was to 
because of the way the markets react to every rumor or everything Trump says about something that's about to happen in a China trade. We've seen it all year. Mm-hmm. Um, Ch- Trump says, oh, we're close to a deal, which he has said more than uh, three dozen times in 2019. We're close to three a deal. Dozen. And we only got a phase one trade deal on, uh, what was it, December uh, 13th? Uh, 13th, right. Friday the 13th. Right. Um, he said it in January. He said in January we're close to a deal. He said it in February. He said it in March. We're always close to a deal. And what was actually happening um, while Trump was saying we're close to a deal is they were uh, we were actually escalating. I mean, he was actually raising tariffs already in place and adding more tariffs. Is so, it a way to artificially send the stock market higher? It's a great question because it did. It, it did. did. It repeatedly did. send the stock market higher. All you have to do higher. is look at, look at charts, and the minute a tweet like that came out, I mean, we cover it every day, right? right? Oh, the market just jumped. What happened? Oh, Trump tweeted. We, do you want to know what we do in the newsroom? About now? The first thing we do is I go to I go to his Twitter feed. I yeah. mean, did he tweet something that's market moving recently? Yeah, and uh, he and he does, frankly, yep. and There's he doesn't usually personally say something that um, sends the markets down. But then markets have to figure out. Uh, you know, reading the body language right. or what, are the, what is the White House not saying or, you know, Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal is reporting a breakdown in talks because they get that off the record from negotiators or whatever. Mm. So, um, y- you know, markets have been just jittery uh, really for the last almost two years on trade. And um, so we put together just how many times has Trump basically misspoken or lied on trade. And uh, all told, uh, going back to January, Trump in one way or another, expressed optimism that, you know, the, the trade talks were going well uh, more than 150 times. Wow. And they were actually going, even when they were going worse, not better, he said they were they were going fine. Um, so now we have a so-called phase one trade deal, which is the second time Trump announced it. He first mm-hmm. announced it on October 11th. Um, and then again, we actually had the deal on December 13th, but we still don't know what's in the deal. And I mean, some people are just saying, is there even a deal? You know what? He When we when we thought we were close to that trade one deal, he actually tweeted out, we're not close. And that did bring the market lower. So he there, are, there are moments when that does happen. He, you're right. And, the, and so he does that because that's his way of uh, snapping back at mm-hmm. the Chinese. Right. You know, he's like, oh, they they don't I, I they're the ones who want to deal. But I, at the I'm end not of ready. the day, is President Trump a prisoner of the U.S. stock market? Meaning if he were to see this market really start to crumble, especially as we move closer to November next year and we all go to the polls, does he very quickly snap back, as you say? I think if the Trump market, uh, I mean, if the uh, if the stock market goes down considerably, which I would say 10 percent or more, then Trump is a prisoner of the stock market. But probably so is any president. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the stock market stays steady or goes up, he's not a prisoner of the, of the stock market. He's been very lucky so far. I mean, he's had good stuff. You know, the stock market has done well under him. But again, I think the China trade deal is the kind of thing that um, will be something people either give him credit or blame for next year, depending on how Which well the overall on? economy is going. OK, so, fair enough. Um, if the economy st- sort of stays around where it is right now, which is good enough for Trump, then I think voters, by and large, will give him credit for a China trade deal. If it deteriorates in some way, if voters start to see layoffs, especially if manufacturing gets worse, we have a very soft manufacturing sector right now, in part because of the tariffs, then um, I think Trump's going to get blamed for a trade deal. Um, And my own metric is to go back to what the, the stated purpose of this trade war with China in the first place, the stated purpose was to bring jobs back to America. That is not happening, and nobody thinks it's going to happen by 2020 or probably ever. We do hear about the occasional automaker saying, okay, 
We're going to open up another plant here. We're not going to make the car in Mexico or overseas the way we had said we were going to. That counts for something, though, Rick. It does, but uh, we've now had a downturn in manufacturing employment for the last few months. And if you look, just look at manufacturing employment, um, you know, look at it over 10 years, for example. It goes up at the beginning of Trump's term, but then it starts to come down again. Um, And it's probably up just a little bit. For, uh, for, uh, for his presidency as a whole, which is exactly how it was before his presidency. <laughs> so it, 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 the, no, very few voters are ever going to like go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics webpage and right before they vote and say, oh, I, I want to see how many manufacturing jobs have a, ha- actually materialized. I mean, we'll be telling them. I don't, they, might, they might take a glance at an article but You're saying don't take the president at his word because we know – that he lies. I never take the president at his word. Listen, and I don't know. I, well, I mean, I know I have arguments all the time with people who do, now, including audience members. The economist Stephen Moore, again, maybe not a surprise to the folks who know Stephen Moore, said that last week was the best week so far of President Trump's presidency mm-hmm. because of the deals he brokered with both Mexico, Canada and the U.S., while others are saying, but you know what? He created problems where... <laughs> Perhaps there were none. I mean, I think a lot of people would would um, agree that something had to be done with China, that we it was not an equitable deal with China for, for many decades. Um, so, you know, did he create something, make a mess out of it and then say, but look, I just fixed the problem I made? My metaphor for this is an arsonist who lights a fire and then claims credit for putting it out. Um, and Trump has done a lot of that. He has sort of put out fires that he started or partially put them out and tried to claim credit for it. So you refer to Steve Moore. He's a Trump ally. He's one of the guys Trump considered appointing to the Federal Reserve. Um, so he's in Trump's corner. Uh, I think he's right that Trump um, politically, it was it's a win for him to get these two trade deals. But um, all of the economists I follow and the forecasting firms that I follow, they are basically all saying the same thing about both of these deals, the one with Canada and Mexico and the what, what, whether we have a deal even with China. Um, it's just not going to change very much. I mean, here uh, is a good example. This is Capital Economics, which is a good forecasting firm, uh, writing in mid-December, the phase one trade deal apparently agreed with China is a small positive for the outlook to the extent it removes the threat of further tariffs, but we doubt the rollback of existing tariffs or the promise of China ramping up purchase of U.S. goods will provide anything more than a modest boost to the economy. That's basically what all the economists are saying. You know, if, if we'll be surprised if we even see it in the numbers. Um, and we for, for that even to happen, China has to do what Trump says they're going to do, which is these big increases in farm purchases. They have to do it for Trump. They have to do it in 2020. It's no good for him if they do it in 2021. He needs the votes in, at the end of 2020. Right. So... Um, and these things also don't turn on a dime. You don't just turn this on and off. I mean, China's buying uh, farm products from somebody else right now, from Brazil. So, um, and you know, you don't just grow food out of the ground on on short notice. You know, so you have to have the products to sell. So, um, I think a bigger question is what's the direction of the overall economy. Because that's what people are going to associate with these two trade deals, whether they think these trade deals are good or not. All right. We're going to have um, Mr. Trump have the last word today. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Got that? Yeah, that's his trade policy. All right, Rick Newman, thank you as always for being with us. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to rate and review what you just heard and follow me at Alexis TV News. And me at Rick J. Newman. Thanks for listening. Bye.